Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Quick, what's more American than baseball and apple pie? If you answered steroids and diabetes, you're technically correct, but we here at Past Gas have another potential answer for you. The All-American Pickup Truck. In its truest form, the pickup truck is designed with a single purpose, getting work done. If a Ferrari is an Italian stallion, an American pickup truck is a Clydesdale. Reliable, tough, and big. Much like German cars are known for precision and Japanese cars for dependability, American trucks are often marketed with a single word, tough. However, as we'll soon get to, over the past hundred odd years, pickup trucks have shown themselves to be a lot more than tough. Today we're talking about trucks that are counterculture cool, blazingly fast, and in the case of the 1972 Austin Mini pickup, oddly cute. Seriously, just look at this little guy. He'll melt your heart. Pickup trucks have never been more popular, especially in the States. So why is it? While fewer and fewer people have an actual use for a pickup truck, more people are buying them, with Americans alone buying over 2 million trucks a year. Today on Past Gas, from the horseless wagon to the electric F-150s of the near future, it's the story of the most American vehicle of them all, the pickup truck. Get her done. Giddy on up, squirt the gas, and haul some ass. There's no room in the cab, but hop in the back and hang on tight. This is a past gas crew cab pickup truck podcast deluxe King Ranch edition. Past gas podcast. It's about cars. It's not about ports. Toot toot. <laughs> truck you. I don't care about your trucking opinion. <laughs> Welcome to past gas, everyone. <laughs> Uh, I am your host, Nolan Sykes, joined as always by my other host. We got Joe Weber over here. Uh, keep it juiced. And James Pumphrey. Feeling cozy. Nice. That's a good one. Especially when it's all gloomy and stuff right now. Mm-hmm. Like- Dude, I got my space heater on. I'm wearing my little beanie cap. Got a hoodie. I'm feeling cozy. <laughs> That's feeling basically cozy. like the DJ Who Kid call out. Mm-hmm. DJ Who. Kid, <laughs> feeling cozy. <laughs> if cozy don't like it, he gonna shoot you. Uh, <laughs> what are your favorite pickup trucks, guys? Ooh, well, Cyclone with an S. Cyclone for sure is maybe a car that I need to own one day. I like the old seventies Rangers when it was still a trim level. Mm. So an F one fifty Ranger. Yeah, but like those original colors are so. <laughs> cool and it's just they're good trucks man yeah 
One day I would love to own like just like a huge like F three fifty with uh, six like wheels, like an old one, like an old one, like a dually F three fifty, like the real long, super extended cab yeah. ones that you like tow horses with. Yeah, you tow horses. Yeah, a lot of use for you that. put you put horses on roller <laughs> skates and you tow them around. Yeah, <laughs> but, so they can hit bigger jumps. <laughs> uh, second gen Lightning is up yeah. there. Yeah, that's probably my favorite truck. I guess I think my real answer would have to be uh, the the 2004 Ram 1500 that we owned for a long oh. time. A V6 did not oh. have the Hemi, but uh, you know it still towed our race trailer everywhere we went. I logged a lot of miles. Was that, that one? Thing. If it had a Hemi in it, was that the RT? I think they just called it the Hemi, or okay. it was just like the Hemi designation. Because um, we were doing this fast trucks episode of D list, we were just talking about. Yeah, and there were so many cool trucks I didn't know about. I've been, you know, we've been doing a couple episodes here and there about muscle trucks, mm-hmm. and there's just so many in between, like 2007 and 2017. It's hard to to nail them all down. I I do believe the most recent RTs that Dodge put out, you could either have them in four door or two door. Yeah, and they, like. You know, they had the Hemi, of course, but they also had like kind of like blacked out headlights, I think was an option, kind of like an appearance package, but also like really big wheels as well. Yeah. Was like yeah. the marker of that truck. Honestly, dude, if I had enough parking space here at my apartment, I would definitely consider a two door Ram for sure. Just because I love I love the Ram. And you got truck nuts on it in your fantasy or no truck? No nuts? truck nuts. No truck nuts. If I had the RT, I would lower it a little bit. I've always loved lowered trucks. I love that lowered it, it pisses people cool. off so much. I love it. <laughs> I want to get a, a Ford Ranger Splash. Ooh, Splash with the nice <laughs> yeah. the 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 styrofoam cup graphic on the side. Yeah, with the cool graphic and get a, like a yellow one or a teal. Yeah, you know, coming down to LA, like you kind of like not sour your opinion on trucks but like my opinion on trucks has changed a lot definitely like you'll see people driving around in like full-size trucks and you're like what are you what are you doing the roads yeah. aren't wide enough they're not wide the road. enough you're too big and you're scaring me <laughs> exactly you're but, in my lane you know like growing up all of us grew up in somewhat rural areas except for joe maybe joe were you in in the city technically in a suburb but it, i was like two blocks away from the city but I was okay. In a but city. we all we yes. all come from places where trucks were popular. I would imagine. I'd say trucks are very popular in Louisville. Yeah, Kentucky. I just yeah. I j- just came back from visiting my hometown of Atascadero, California. Kind Love of a very, Atascadero, very rural area, but like yeah. it's all trucks. Everyone drives a, a truck. A lot of people towing horses around. A lot of people towing uh, going horses. Going off of jumps. Just like not for no reason, just having your dirt bike in the bed, just cruising around with that. You never know when you're going to see a cool jump. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, dang, uh, that's a cool jump. Wish I had my dirt bike. <laughs> yeah. But uh, my my we'll, we'll get going in the story here, but I've always want I think I saw one when I was a little kid or something, but I saw like a Chevy Dually extended cab Chevy yeah. Dually like just dropped, just slammed. And I've always wanted something like that. Ever since I saw that as a kid, I was like, that's yeah. that's a sick. That's the look. Yeah, that's tight. that's a cool one. Keep your trucking opinion to yourself. I'm going off-road. All right. Well, speaking of <laughs> off-road, let's get into this story. The history of pickup trucks is nearly as old as cars themselves. 
The same way that cars have their origins as horseless carriages, it was immediately obvious to early inventors that an engine-driven replacement for the horse-drawn wagon, a mainstay of farm work and goods delivery, had huge potential. Early cars were decidedly light on trunk space of any kind. The Model T and its peers were meant to move people and weren't thought of as a practical way to get work done. But as engines and parts got cheaper, it became clear that motor vehicles had a lot more potential than being mere people movers. It's no coincidence, then, that many of the names who brought about earlier versions of the pickup truck were the same we associate with early car models. The first was Gottlieb Daimler. In 1896, Gottlieb put out what many considered to be the first truck, although the name hadn't been popularized. He marketed the vehicle as a, quote, horseless wagon. It had a 1.1-liter two-cylinder engine that made a, a, a massive four horsepower. Which is a lot for a wagon. Yeah! Like, if you got four horses, yeah! Well, James, <laughs> that was technically as powered as a horse-pulled wagon with four horses. There you go. It also featured iron wheels, meaning the ride can't have been very comfortable, especially on the rough roads of the day. Mostly just dirt roads everywhere. So no tires. No tires. Huh. <clears throat> Not everyone welcomed these new vehicles, James. In Britain, for instance, the powerful horse lobby <laughs> arranged for severe restrictions on the use of horseless vehicles in the form of what was called the Red Flag Act, a reference to a requirement that one worker had to walk ahead of the vehicles at all times, carrying a red flag to warn other people using the road that a devilish contraption was approaching. Pe people never change. Like, this yep. still goes on. <laughs> Uh, I guys, I think I think we uh, used the wrong hotel entrance. Uh, <laughs> we might be in the horse lobby. The oh, bar God. is only serving carrot juice. <laughs> <laughs> is that you drinking carrot juice or is it no, you clomping around? I'm clomping around, <laughs> dancing. <laughs> wow. Even after horseless carriages overcame resistance from big horse... There was still skepticism about the ability of trucks to get work done. According to Daimler, quote, It was generally assumed in Europe that combustion engines were right for passenger cars and steam engines and electric motors for commercial vehicles. Gasoline was still something you had to buy from a chemist, and many people simply couldn't imagine a gas-powered truck being as useful and practical as the alternatives. In Europe, trucks didn't really start getting popular until the 1910s, when wartime preparations led to large orders of trucks from militaries. Makes sense. Before any companies began producing pickup trucks in big numbers, many drivers took things in their own hands, especially in the United States. Many rural owners modified their Model Ts and other vehicles by bolting a wagon bed to the rear of the chassis. From there, smaller companies like REO and Auto Wagon picked up on the trend and started to offer custom-built pickup trucks. If you've ever heard of the band REO Speedwagon, it's actually named after one of these first trucks introduced in 1915. What songs did they write? Here we are my way No, that's Kansas. That's Kansas. Okay. <laughs> Hotel California. No, that's the Eagles. Do you want to quiz me on boomer music for five minutes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Keep on loving you. Oh, nice. Take it on the, take it on take the it run. Take it on the run. Yeah. Take it on the run, baby. 
Oh, yeah, I can't yeah, yeah. fight this feeling mm. anymore. That's a banger. That 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 still slaps. I'm gonna go ahead and say that Aria Speedwagon slaps harder than the Beatles. <laughs> I mean, they got melodies for days. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the ROE, the Ario Speedwagon, it was introduced in 1915. This early truck was highly functional with a completely vertical windshield and a canopy extending from the cab all the way back over the truck bed. Hmm. So, you know, SUV, baby. Yeah. Oh, you could you could argue that for sure. The 1915 Speedwagon weighed one ton, featuring a four cylinder engine, three speed transmission and a top speed of 22 miles per. It was initially branded the hurry up wagon, but a top speed of 22 miles per hour was apparently not fast enough to make the name stick. The speed wagon and its peers were more horseless wagon than pickup truck. But by the 20s and 30s, REO was producing models that had a striking resemblance to today's pickup trucks. It's a four cylinder that weighs one ton, so it's basically an Integra. Yeah. Yeah, hey. <laughs> by the 1920s, entering our story is a man who we seem to be unable to record an episode without mentioning. Henry Ford. Hmm. When Hank the Una wasn't perfecting the assembly line, attempting to found a utopian city in South America, or 69ing with Thomas Edison, <laughs> true story, he was looking for new kinds of vehicles to sell to the American public. If you remember our Flying Cars episode, Ford even tried to get into the aero car game with the Ford Fliver. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the worst Fliver. name. Fliver. Ford Motors not only built the first factory-made pickup truck, the company is widely credited with the popularizing of the phrase pickup, as in pick up the pace, non-unionized workers. In hey. 1924, Ford put out the Model T runabout with pickup body. The runabout was priced at $281 and had an initial production run of 34000 Yeah, but as soon as you drive it off the lot, that thing's worth $200 tops. Yeah, <laughs> For real, though, what's the actual origin of the term pickup? It definitely predates Ford. Studebaker used it to refer to their trucks as early as 1913. Hmm. One urban legend attributes the name to the fact that early pickup models were typically optional add-ons to existing vehicles and thus had to be picked up by the customer at the dealership. Mm. But we don't truck with that theory. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Truck you. Truck you. <laughs> I don't give a truck about your opinions. I'm going off road. We're not, we don't have to bleep anything in this episode. This no. is yeah. fun. Ah, oh, mother trucker, man. That's <laughs> trucking sick, dude. This is the trucking best. Dude, I got my trucking sack stuck in my zipper this morning. <laughs> <laughs> the most obvious exclamation for pickup truck would be that you pick things up to put them in the truck bed. Hence, pick up. I don't know if I like any of these. I don't know. That urban legend is definitely bull. That doesn't make any sense. Oh, sorry. It's it's truck. Uh, wait. <laughs> it's bull truck. It's bull truck. It's uh, bull shift. It's bull. Oh, it's nice. truck bull shift. Um, yeah, you have to pick them up. Like, hey, I got to go pick up this accessory. Oh, it's a pickup truck. It's a pickup truck. No. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. I would I say know. I would say it's totally bull shift, but. Just based on how people used to talk. Yeah. Oh. Uh, well, you either got to drive yeah. off or you got to pick up. Yeah, you got to pick up, Chuck. You got to go pick it up. You want an onion? Another company with a long history in pickups was Dodge. 
1929, just after being acquired by Chrysler, Dodge produced the first half-ton pickup truck, offering a six-cylinder engine option as well as hydraulic brakes on all four wheels. A huge safety improvement over previous pickup models. Old old pickups, you just had to like, there's a hole in the floor. You you just put your feet down. And and they came with cleats. (laughs) (laughs) So many torn ACLs. (laughs) (laughs) I can't drive anymore. In the 30s, Chevy got in the game with a modified version of its top-of-the-line Chevy Master, starring Philip Seymour Hoffman. (laughs) And Lou Diamond Phillips. (laughs) At the time, the most expensive Chevy sold. You could buy a version that retained the distinctive chrome grille in the front with a small but functional pickup bed in the back. This thing's so tight. Nolan, is this your next project? I do love this era of truck. Um, Me too. I think like in the, the late 30s, all pickup trucks kind of had the same kind of grill motif going on. Yeah. Um, I want a Dodge, a 39 Dodge real bad, actually. As pickup trucks became more affordable, they changed the game for small farmers around the world. For centuries, a horse-pulled cart had been the solution for getting construction supplies, equipment, and goods from point A to point B. And suddenly, if you could afford a pickup truck, you were basically creating a miniature industrial revolution on your farm. This was especially a game changer in the American South, which had a large share of small family farms run by working class, often poor families. Of course, the irony is that the pickup truck and similar industrial advances of the early 20th century set off a mechanical arms race that eventually changed the nature of farming forever. And as we all know, farms are now big business and factory farms have practically erased mom and pop operations from existence. A family run farm with a pickup truck is now more a part of American myth than reality as firmly a part of our past as Teddy Roosevelt, sock hops, or a functioning democracy. <laughs> Dang. I never did get to go to a sock hop at my elementary school. Honestly, sock hops were trucking bullshit. I <laughs> always, you get, someone spills something and you're in your socks and then you just have wet socks and you're trying to have fun and dance. It's not good. Was, uh, was it really socks? Like you're just wearing your socks? The ones that I went to were for sure. You took wow. your shoes off, shoes off and you dance in your socks. Doesn't it smell kind of gross? They smell delicious. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back with more of this story. But first, a word from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. 
As the 1930s gave way to World War II, pickup trucks were used extensively in the field, namely models built by Dodge, the primary supplier of lightweight vehicles for the American military. These trucks included the Jeep-like 1940 Dodge VC5, as well as the half-ton WC series that was made in a variety of open and closed cab configurations. When we talk about the effect the war had on cars, we usually talk about GIs falling in love with European sports cars while overseas, but the war also gave millions of men their first up-close experience with pickup trucks, and many went home and looked for a civilian version. After V-Day, or Victory Day, probably Europe, V-Day Europe, Dodge tried to keep the post-war momentum going with the 1946 Power Wagon. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah this thing's cool. cool. One of the coolest trucks ever, for sure. It's That's a, a cool name, too. It's a one-ton, four-wheel drive consumer version of their military truck with civilian-grade sheet metal in place of heavy-duty mm-hmm. stuff used, used overseas. It was the first production four-wheel drive pickup, although a company called Marmon Harrington had been converting Ford pickups to four-wheel drive during the 30s. The Power Wagon was a hit with both veterans and consumers at large, and Dodge continued to sell it for over 20 years, ending production in 1968. The four-wheel drive also became a standard feature in many pickups, as we now know. Dude, if you have a power wagon today, like, that's such a flex. Those are, like... Dude, they're so sick. So steezy. Mm-hmm. So sick. I would get one, but I'd just... I'd make the front say, Doge. <laughs> <laughs> Big crypto guy now, James? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Another iconic pickup truck of the post-war era was the 1947 Willis Overland Jeep truck, which was based on the design of the Willis Jeep station wagon. Itself, a first in 1946, is the first ever mass-market station wagon. Like the power wagon, the Willis Jeep truck was a one-ton four-wheel drive truck with the distinct Jeep grille and a boxy functional design. It featured a three-speed transmission as well as a 2.2-liter Go Devil straight-four engine the same virtually indestructible engine used by Jeeps in World War II. The Jeep truck was a huge success, selling over 200,000 units from uh, 1947 to 1965. You know what would be like the sickest barn find ever is if you found a crate with like uh, an unadulterated Jeep inside that hadn't been put together yet. Oh, yeah, Uh, dude. That'd be trucking amazing. That'd be... That'd be so trucking sick, That'd be the the coolest shift ever, dude. (laughs) Dude, I would would bust a lug nut. (laughs) 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 Meanwhile, Japanese manufacturers were also developing trucks of their own. Before the war, Kichiro Toyota, who would go on to found Toyota, released the Toyota G1 in 1935. Toyota's dream was to build passenger cars for the Japanese market, but Japan of the 1930s was still a developing nation, and the average Japanese consumer couldn't afford a car. And that's what led Toyota to focus on the G1 truck, which was 20 feet long and almost three tons more truck than pickup, like heavy-duty truck, with a large truck bed behind the cab and a massive three-tiered chrome grill. The G1 was Toyota's first production vehicle, and it was largely an experiment. Buyers were assured that if they had issues with the trucks, they could bring them to the factory to be repaired or even replaced free of charge. Very kind of them. This thing is amazing. It's a really cool truck. 
It was also at this time that Sakichi Toyota developed what would become a distinctive philosophy of Toyota as a company. The five whys. They don't sell hamburgers, okay? The five whys. <laughs> get it. Uh, the five whys isn't just what you ask yourself after eating too much five guys. Uh, <laughs> nice. See, you don't ad lib because the jokes no, are better than the jokes than are you. better. <laughs> jokes are better. The five whys isn't just what you ask yourself after eating too much five guys. <laughs> I've been there, man. It's a philosophy of investigating the root cause of any issue. For example, if a car's battery fails, you don't just fix it. You ask yourself why. If that leads to an issue with the alternator, you ask why the alternator has failed, and so forth. Toyota's thinking was the five whys was generally enough to get to the root cause of any issue. And that issue is always capitalism. <laughs> it's ironic because uh, I have a Toyota right now, and I've been chasing whys for about a year. Yeah, well, that's because the previous owners, plural, um, really didn't do you in your favor favors with uh, regular maintenance or making sure there's more than two bolts holding the transmission to the engine <laughs> Wait, or that's real? anything yeah. like that. Oh, yeah. Boy. So glad I test drove that on a mountain road. <laughs> I know. Yeah. We all did. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> anyway, Toyota used the five wise method to turn the G1 business into a global automaking powerhouse. After the war, Toyota would use its early experience as a truck maker to develop the best-selling pickup trucks from a non-American manufacturer. I had no idea about this. Yeah, I've never heard of the G1 before. I knew that Toyota copied the Willis Jeep for the Land Cruiser. Yep. By the 50s, pickup trucks were becoming a mainstay of American car culture. The 50s also brought about a wave of so-called forward control pickups. Models like the Dodge A100, the Ford Econoline, and the Volkswagen Type 2 are all examples of this type of truck. Maybe the cutest version of forward control was the very literally named Jeep Forward Control, produced by Willys Motors, which featured a cab-over engine design blended with a very short wheelbase, resulting in a truck that looks like a loaf of bread that got smooshed on both ends. <laughs> <laughs> They're cute as hell, no cap. The Chevy Rampside was another forward control truck that foreshadowed the future of pickup trucks, namely unique and even gimmicky options for your truck. The Rampside is exactly what it sounds like. In addition to a tailgate at the back, there was a ramp on the side between the wheels that folded down to give you walk-in access to the bed. It so foreshadowed the deluxe features of today's trucks, where every year trucks boast everything from sensor-activated running boards to built-in coolers to garden hoses, to uh, bottle openers on the bed. Nice. Is there uh, is there some like compromised structural integrity with one of these ramp side trucks? Like it feels like if it's not super rigid and there's like a door in the middle of the bed, wouldn't that? It's body on frame. Yeah, body on frame. So oh, you could okay. remove all the body panels and still drive it around. Maybe. That's true. Uh, th these things were based on the Corvair. So it's got the Ooh, engine. So it's not the engine funny. is in the rear. It's behind. What? Yeah. Oh, so it's like under the bed. It's under the bed. That's yeah. Really. Uh, you can see actually in the picture here that the the back oh, of the yes. bed, that back half, is kind of raised up from the front yeah, half. It's like a foot. And not to be that guy, but when I was at Jay Leno's shop, uh, <laughs> oh he, yeah, they uh, 
they rolled out he has one of these things obviously in immaculate condition and then like this special edition corvair which was like a uh not track version but like a like a hopped up yeah mm-hmm. corvair that some dealership did and both of them were under his soft light was it a capo corvair uh like the same people that did like the copo camaro no i don't think so it was i don't think it was a yenko or copo or anything like that it was just some other dealership that essentially did that kind of thing though but these uh these side loaders are so sick and if you know electric vehicles you know like we can come back to this sort of design because the engine doesn't the the motors and there's no engine you know like we we can have so much more freedom with how we make utility vehicles yeah it's like a skateboard platform yeah so i hope stuff like this comes back if they can make that cab over design safer you know Besides forward control, other innovations of the 50s era included a second row of doors and seats commonly called a crew cab. International was the first company to release a four-door pickup with the International Harvester Trevelette. Thing looks sick, too. A beastly pickup that was a regal 237 inches long. Dodge and Ford would copy International in the 60s with four-door cabs of their own, and eventually International and other smaller manufacturers would fall to the wayside as Dodge, Chevy, and Ford became the big three of pickup trucks. Well, International still makes like big trucks. Yeah, big International truck. Harvester. On the flip side of crew cab trucks, American manufacturers also experimented with trucks that looked more like cars, like 1957's Ford Ranchero and the 59 Chevy El Camino. Pickup truck was now a concept firmly embedded in consumers' minds, freeing up designers to play with that concept and create different versions for different needs there's an amazing 57 ranchero in my neighborhood that's matte black and just like immaculate so so tight 57 ranchero sounds like a desert rock band yeah like oh we're opening for queens of the stone age i was gonna say josh holmes gotta be a part of it somehow as american trucks mostly got bigger japanese competitors found an opening with a new concept for the time the compact pickup truck Nice. Datsun and Toyota both had entries into the category, with the first being Datsun, who brought the Datsun 1000 to the United States in 1958 to play David to Detroit's three-headed Goliath. You thought regular Goliath was scary. What if he's got three heads? The car, which had a measly quarter-ton carrying capacity and 37 horsepower, flopped, selling 10 units in the first year. That's a trucking disgrace. <laughs> that's, a, that's so trucking embarrassing. Uh, that is 10 more than the Cybertruck, but still. Datsun managed to get its act together a decade later with a Datsun 520. <laughs> oh, smoke a beer, dude. <laughs> <laughs> dude. <laughs> and the 521. The 521 was a half-ton pickup with a 1.3 liter, 67 horsepower oh, Nissan J13 engine. They sold tens of thousands of these guys stateside. This was followed by the 620, dude, <laughs> which earned the incredible nickname, The Little Hustler. Ooh, Ooh. yeah. That's what, that's what I call, that's what we call our, uh, our PA Jimmy, Little Hustler. <laughs> <laughs> the 620 was stylish. The grill boasted four headlights arranged horizontally, giving the truck a muscle car look when viewed from the front. Yeah, these are sick. As the, I know, I love them. As the prosperous as the prosperous fifties morphed into the psychedelic sixties style yeah. was increasingly becoming a consideration for pickup truck owners. 
A survey at the time found that 40% of American buyers admitted to never using their little hustlers for work. Yeah, they use it for hustling, dude. They use it for yeah. hustling, man. It's not work. It's a hustle. It was a sure sign that the pickup truck was moving from a utilitarian tool, a workhorse replacement for the literal workhorse on a farm, Ooh. to becoming a cultural statement piece. The pickup truck, especially in America, meant something, although just what that something was depended on who you asked. Hmm. Very intriguing, James. By the 50s and 60s, pickup trucks, which had started their lives as a purely practical replacement for horse-drawn wagons, <laughs> were now a cultural icon in their own right. Just like cars represented freedom, independence, and prosperity, pickup trucks had their own set of cultural associations. Some good, some bad. Pickup trucks were now what many companies tactfully called lifestyle vehicles, meaning that many pickup drivers were never really planning on getting work done in that pickup. They just identified with the feeling and value of work. Kind of like how Gatorade is a lifestyle drink for people who want to feel like they're sporty and not mm -hmm. just drinking sugary water with food coloring. Yeah. Um, I actually love like when this lifestyle trucks start first started taking off. I love all those like super limited edition ones that came around in like the 60s and 70s, like the Dodge Warlock. They named but, a bunch of them like after James. Like there's a gentleman James. There's a <laughs> the gentleman James. That was an El Camino, was it not? I believe that was an El Camino. Um, I'm not um, sure. Well, as you mentioned earlier, Joe, like your the Ranger, the Ranger trim level, that was Yeah. The the difference in that one, it had some heavier leaf springs in the back. So you could put a camper yeah. in the back. Although back then it was called the Ranger. Ranger. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Well, <laughs> Concerning that whole lifestyle kind of branding, a report by advertising firm Bradley and Montgomery concluded that, quote, the pickup truck has become an essential part of Western culture. Trucks are the symbolic embodiment of the hardworking American spirit. Even though trucks are needed and valued for their usefulness in farming, ranching, and other blue-collar occupations, many, if not most, truck owners do precious little in the way of physical labor. Spend a few hours driving through the pricier suburbs of Houston or Denver, and it becomes abundantly clear that the truck is as much a cultural statement as it is a tool. That's still true today. So just keep in mind, this is a more contemporary report that I just cited. Yeah, that's why it's still true today. It, yeah, it is, it is true. <laughs> you're right. Uh, the report also cited a study indicating that truck owners saw their vehicles as more than just a way to get around town, with over 45% of owners spending $1,000 on customizing their trucks. 64% wow. of truck owners even considered their rigs to be, quote, an extension of their personalities. And I don't think that's just exclusive yeah. to truck owners. That's many. Anybody who customizes your car, like, you definitely feel that, you know? I know, yeah. but 45% spent over $1,000 on customization. Like, compare that to cars. That, that is, is actually huge. quite staggering. Quite that staggering. Especially when you consider that trucks are the most, like, popular vehicle in the U.S., too. Um, mm hmm yeah, when you think about it, I mean, many many pickup trucks you see around have at least a different set of wheels, or even just a set of tires. Like a different a set of off roading tires counts, and that'll run you a thousand bucks easy. Yeah, for sure. You get a couple like Calvin peeing on stuff stickers. Yeah, you spend like four hundred dollars on bumper stickers. You're there, man. <laughs> a lot of stickers. While the pickup truck played a key role in the development of the American West, the pickup truck is most strongly associated with the American South. A lot of that has to do with a history of America that's way older than cars. In 1801, 
95% of Americans lived and worked on farms. 100 years later, at the beginning of the 20th century, that number was down to just 35%. Still a large percentage, but down significantly. Today, that number sits at a tiny 1.3% of the American population. The American way of life has massively shifted from rural to urban, but in the South, many still identify with a rural way of life. While these associations are largely nostalgic and positive, pickup trucks also carry with them negative stereotypes we're all familiar with. They're sometimes associated with the good old boy culture of the South, a culture of Confederate flags and intimidating black folk. Most recently, though, some pickup truck drivers have turned to rolling coal, which we here at Pass Gas like to call automotive pants shifting. (laughs) (laughs) Even amongst those who don't roll coal, studies have found that massive numbers of pickup truck drivers are installing aftermarket devices to evade emission standards. Also not a cool thing to do. Just like the Toyota Prius has become a tired stereotype for a coastal elitist who drinks $6 lattes and listens to NPR, the pickup truck comes with its own set of baggage. As America becomes increasingly divided along political and geographic lines, many people see their vehicles as a way to express not just their personality, but also which side of the cultural divide they fall into. In fact, a popular bumper sticker for many coal rolling rigs is Prius repellent, And a reporter at a coal rollers rally recorded criticism from interviewees of, quote, walkers, joggers, cyclists, hybrid and Asian cars, and even police officers. Hmm. So get out of my way. At the end of the day, a pickup truck is a pickup truck. And all the stereotypes we just listed are just that. They are stereotypes. Pickup trucks themselves are not that culturally charged. It's more of a reflection of how everything these days seems to be more potentially controversial. Here at Donut, though, we love all cars, and that means we love pickup trucks, too. I do love that 2004 Ram 1500 V6. We also love uh, freaking Rivians. I can't wait for Rivians to come on the market. I would get one. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. The new Lightning is electric. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that reveal is coming in next week on the 19th. So by the time this is out, you probably already heard of it. We'll get back to more past gas, but right now, a word from our sponsors. Trucks weren't always big and brash. By the early 1970s, the oil crisis, shirts available at DonutMedia.com, led to a boom in the newly minted compact pickup truck market. Datsun and Toyota alone were selling 100,000 compact trucks a year in the United States, a staggering number that forced the trio of Ford, Chevy, and Dodge to come up with a response. Their answer came in the form of what were called captive import pickups, essentially foreign-designed trucks rebranded as American vehicles. For instance, the 1972 Ford Courier was a Mazda. Oh, yeah. And the Chevy light utility vehicle, or love was an Isuzu in disguise. I love both these trucks. Yeah, I know. A Chevy Love is really cool. My grandpa, my grandpa had a courier. Like many of Detroit's offerings during the oil crisis, these trucks were flops. In fact, American manufacturers never really got their act together with compact pickups. Instead, by the 80s, the oil crisis had ended and America's return to buying bigger trucks. The 80s did see Chevy launch the S10 and Ford launched the Ranger in 1983, a truck that stayed in production until 2012. But... These small pickups were never as popular as their bigger, beefier brothers. <laughs> you can relate, huh? 
<laughs> Wait, you have someone that's bigger than you, James? You're the biggest one I've ever met. But I'm the littlest giant. I'm like Hagrid. <laughs> <laughs> that's my. I'm gonna write a children's book called James's Big Beavy Brothers. <laughs> Another development was the introduction of <laughs> diesel trucks. With Ford, for example, putting out a 6.9 nice liter IH V8 F250 in the early 80s. That's a honker. It is a honker. <laughs> Dodge, for its part, continued to sell the Dodge D-Series trucks, which debuted in 1960 before being retired in 1980 to make room for the Dodge Ram lineup. The most fun part of the Dodge D's were the special package options, an acknowledgement that many consumers didn't want to feel like they were buying a truck off an assembly line. They wanted something as unique as they were, as unique as their horse, or as unique as they wished they were. Well, I want something that speaks to me. I like beer. I like <laughs> blue jeans. I carry my dog in my truck. I want a macaroni and cheese edition. <laughs> Among these special packages was the 1969 Dodge Dude Sport Trim Package. Hell yeah. <laughs> Dudes rock. Featuring a Dodge Dude decal near the rear tail light, so-called dog dish hubcaps, and very 70s two-tone color schemes offered in green and white red and brown red and brown and red yellow and, brown. and black just like donut other models included the warlock yes the macho power wagon Ooh. the adventurer and the most famous of them all 1979's rear wheel drive little red express which famously set a speed record as the fastest production vehicle of 1978 it's in almost every episode of the D-List. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like uh, I've written about it at least 12 times. Yeah, with a quarter mile time of 14.7 seconds, that's faster than a Mustang from the 90s. And it came out during the gas crisis. Yeah. Um, Very responsible. Yeah, this thing's hilarious. Uh, it was like a loophole that they were able to make it fast. The Little Red had genuine wood along the sides of the bed. Twin chrome exhaust stacks like that came up and a gold detail that read Little Red Express Truck on both doors of the cab. Mm -hmm. uh, on the less fun side of things, Little Red got a very little 11 miles per gallon. Not that bad, honestly, for a car from there. No, that's like what my forerunner gets, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> Maybe the only truck that could top the attitude of Dodge pickups came from an upstart in the pickup game, Subaru. When they launched the Brat in 1978, Brat stood for By Drive Recreational All-Terrain Transporter, <laughs> okay, <laughs> and was officially branded as a two-door, four-wheel drive, coupe utility, technically pickup truck adjacent. In Wisconsin, they're called Brats. <laughs> Perhaps the most famous Brat owner was President Ronald Reagan, who kept one in use at his Santa Barbara ranch. What we wouldn't give to take a ride in Reagan's Brat. It was actually restored and can be found on display at the Reagan Ranch today. Yeah, I'd piss in it. I'd take a big Ooh. old fat shift on it. <laughs> Just a, a loose shift all over the truck bed. <laughs> Good luck hosing that out, Reagan. This one's for the Gipper. <laughs> <laughs> truck you. As pickup trucks entered the 90s, American manufacturers experimented with muscle-inspired trucks. Chevy debuted the Silverado 454 SS, 
and Ford introed the SVT Lightning, both of which James discussed in a recent episode of D-List on fast trucks. If you like trucks, check out D-List. It's a, it's a screamer. That one was on the trending page for like five days. It was in the YouTube <laughs> newsletter. I'm right by Mr. Beast and that guy from the British Wedding Show. <laughs> anyway, like movie producers who search for a hit title by pitching that, quote, it's clueless meets Transformers. Auto manufacturers continue to experiment by trying to combine the pickup with other types of vehicles. The Chevy Avalanche, for example, was a pickup SUV hybrid that sold decently well in the 2000s and was canceled in 2013. The Lincoln Blackwood was the brand's short-lived attempt to cross a pickup truck with a luxury car, which included a fully carpeted cargo area. Only 3,356 of the pickup-scale trucks were sold. Get I actually kind of like the Blackwood. Scale? Dude, I love them. They have the like weird bed. Yeah, Yeah, they're strange, man. They're weird. I, uh, just before moving on, the SVT Lightning, the second gen, is yeah. my favorite truck, probably. I, I gotta have one. I, I need one in my life someday. I I think for the longest time, all I wanted to do is drive a Porsche, and that was, like, my dream test drive. And since we drove that Gunther Works one, I can check it off my bucket list. Yeah. But the next one on my list is an SRT10. I want to drive love, an SRT10 yeah. so bad. I would really, that's, I, I actually don't know which I would want more between the second gen Lightning and one of those, because that's like the SRT10, that's the gen of RAM that I really like, that I grew up yeah. with. And it comes uh, in a, manual. You can get a manual six speed with it in two door. It's just like, that's perfect, man. But yeah, checks all the boxes. They're, they're a little bit bigger than the, SR, the SVT Lightning, and they're not quite as cool looking in my opinion. They don't have the same nostalgia factor for me. Yeah, I love that step side. F1 yeah, you got that step yeah. side really brings the lightning over the top. Anyway, it seems what like American consumers really want is more pickup trucks. Today's truck sale figures are staggering and show no signs of slowing down. Like we mentioned in our recent episode on Detroit, America's top three selling vehicles in any category are the Ford F-Series, the Chevy Silverado, and the Dodge Ram. Three trucks that have been around for decades. There's seemingly no reason for American truck makers to change anything. After all, pickup truck owners aren't looking for something new. They want a little slice of the way things used to be in the good old U.S. of A. International Harvester. <laughs> <All right. laughs> um, these rolling slices of nostalgia are single-handedly keeping Detroit afloat. Ford alone has sold over 34 million F-Series trucks since 1948. The pickup truck's roots are as humble as you can get. When the car was invented, it came with the promise of glamour, offering drivers a chance to travel without sitting behind a farting animal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, depends on, uh, depends on uh, who you're riding with. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> the pickup truck, on the other hand, was a workhorse replacement for your literal workhorse. And since then, the pickup trucks come a long way. Instead of fading away along with our rural way of life, trucks have only become more popular. In 2021, a pickup truck means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. It's as much a myth as a vehicle. A myth that makes billions of dollars. Anyway, enjoy your pickups just like we do. Just don't roll coal. Seriously. It's a car version of <laughs> your pants. Shifting. <laughs> so what do you guys think? You guys are... What would it take for you guys to buy a truck? 
What? I might buy a truck today. Today? Really? No. Yeah. Really? Oh, now now he's got a driveway. No, we're gonna. I want an old Ranger so I can buy plants and move furniture. What Gen Ranger? Cheapest one I can find, like fifteen hundred dollar <laughs> truck. <laughs> I mean, for that episode that we did of uh, of uh, D list Craigslist challenge, we they're out there. You can find them. Yeah. Yeah. Just you know what? The key is to search Ranger. Because a lot of people. <laughs> They misspell it Ragnar. <laughs> anyway. Thank you so much for listening to Past Gas this week, guys. Uh, I actually, I, I love trucks, man. Okay, we get it. Doth protest too much. LA turned me to a, to a soft boy who doesn't like trucks, but now I do after doing this episode. Why don't you send us an email at passgas at donutmedia.com? But why would people send an email, Nolan? You can ask questions. You can tell us we're dumb. Tell us we're handsome. Whatever you want. Suggest a topic. Whatever you want to do. Uh, we have an email address now, finally. So why don't you hit that? Passgas at donutmedia.com. Let us know how you feel. Also, tell a friend about the podcast. If you have a buddy who uh, you think would enjoy this show, let him know. Yeah, and go ahead and go ahead and follow us uh, wherever you're streaming this. It just makes it easier for you to listen to it. You'll know when a new one comes out, and it lets our sponsors know that we're doing a good job. So thanks for listening to our podcast once again. Follow James at James Humphrey. Follow Joe at Joe G. Weber. Check out his Twitch stream as well. Twitch.tv slash Joe Weber. Yeah, I drowned in a cesspool last stream, so that Great. was fun. Sorry I missed that. Uh, and follow me at Nolan J. Sykes. Big thank you to our producer, Thomas Willett, and our editor, Bridget Davies. I'm feeling cozy. All right. Be kind. Stay cozy. And keep it fired up. Don't shift your pants. Because Nolan will bust a lug nut. <laughs> <laughs> I regret everything. <laughs>